Well, we mentioned, uh, you know, KubeCon, uh, VMware Explorer, which was last week. Maybe we'll talk about that as well in a uh, episode soon. And, uh, you know, also our, our, our friend, the Tonzo Application uh, Service, based on Cloud Foundry. But I don't think we've actually dug into a little bit of checking in on the Cloud Foundry community in a while. And I was, I was digging through the exciting stuff uh, from KubeCon over there in Detroit, or as some like to say, Detroit, uh, which is fun. Uh, and, and, uh, and then I realized there was a, there was a Cloud Foundry day there, which, which you had commented on a little bit here and there, Nick. And so I thought mm-hmm. we should have you on, back on for the second or third, I, I don't know, I, I've lost track time, to just like, it's very open-ended. What I'm going to call, what's the vibe at Cloud Foundry Day? What's going on over there? What, what are people working on? Like, just, just what's happening? What's up with that community? Gotcha. Yeah. Cool. Um, so this is, like, obviously the, I guess, first in-person event since, you know, the COVID happened. I was actually at the last in-person event. I think that was in Philadelphia in 2019 as well. So uh, it was good to kind of reconnect with everyone again. Um, but this is the first time I was... Uh, as doing this as working for VMware before I was a customer of, you know, using Cloud Foundry. Um, so that was pretty cool to kind of, you know, see that transition. Uh, but it, it was definitely um, a kind of a tight knit vibe where it was a single track, like single room. Um, I guess, what do we call them? They, it was a day zero event at KubeCon, but it was on the second day. So I guess, you know, the math is a little confusing there, but another day zero event of, of many where, um, you know, we can kind of get a very kind of nice focus and just really talk Cloud Foundry all day. Um, there's a lot, a lot of talks that we can kind of go into, um, you know, giving the, the different projects that the community is working on. Kind of the two big themes are uh, Cloud Foundry Karifi and the Paquetto Build Packs as well. Those are kind of the two, uh, you know, let's say next evolution or evolving evolution of Cloud Foundry and uh, that community. And um, it was just really nice to see everyone in person. And then kind of the, the the single room, single track uh, view was pretty nice because you can kind of get all the content and you didn't have to worry about shuffling to different rooms or, oh, am I going to make it to that type of thing? So I, I really enjoyed that. You know, you kind of, you know, got set up and were able to kind of take it all in and, and not have to worry about, you know, the logistics of traveling to different rooms and of that, mm. that nature. So I always, I always like a single track conference. I yeah. think I think that's the best. It's uh, you know, it's uh, every, you know, everyone's got the same breaks, and mm-hmm. uh, I think also like especially if you have a lot of content, it really uh, makes sure most all of the content is good, and you don't yeah. have, you know, I don't know about y'all, but I've been on a lot of uh, talk selection things, and sometimes you're just like, I don't know, there's a slot over here, so let's put in a talk about like how to like make better slides. Or you know something yeah. like that. I mean, yeah. you know, they they can be helpful if you have a big conference to have sort of like career and uh, sort of like uh, self development uh, talks. But it's sometimes also nice just to do the nerd stuff straight yeah. through. Yeah. Well, well, let, let's let's start with. Uh, well, first of all, you know, I I think I think what what uh, what's always most interesting is as you're saying is kind of like what the the future plans are and. Uh, like uh, you know, getting getting Cloud Foundry into the uh, the Kubernetes world, but like, what was the uh, like like? Give us a sense of like the usage of Cloud Foundry. Like who who's using it nowadays? Like uh, if if as you were saying, people like your former self, you're still your same self, but in your former mm-hmm. role, yeah. uh, showing up as a user or a customer. Like what uh, what 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 are, what are people doing with it nowadays? Yeah, I mean, so 
I think the use cases are still the same as before. So, you know, Cloud Foundry still is, it's, it's like, you know, kind of niche or like really uh, awesome use cases for kind of large enterprises or large companies that have um, really large development shops to really kind of give, uh, give um, our customers and people in the community this really kind of very curated and opinionated stack to just focus on delivering business value. Um, so, you know, a lot of the, you know, the, uh, the companies and, and customers that have been working on this for the past uh, almost, I guess, I think it's decade now uh, have, you know, still been kind of, you know, I guess I, I used to say in my uh, previous job here, uh, you know, we're just over here running the business and, you know, making all the money for everyone. So um, that is, you know, very still true today. Um, there was a talk with some of the SAP folks where they were going into some of the scale where they run. Uh, Cloud Foundry, you know, worldwide, and uh, some of the scale of those foundations they were talking about was, uh, it was just kind of absurd how large they were. I, let me, I took some screenshots from one of my tweets, so I'm going to try to see if I can find those really quick. But so, so what uh, is what does SAP do with it? I I remember, uh, you know, they were they were part of the initial like uh, mm -hmm. big sprout sprout Cloud Foundry community. What what have they uh, been up to these years? Uh, so, I mean, they're still very uh, active in the community and, you know, they um, you, like, you know, a, a partner or a uh, they have a lot of developers committing code to Cloud Foundry itself and developing that. And uh, they use it as, uh, I think, a part of their services, like service offerings that they run. You know, they use Cloud Foundry to run uh, business applications for their customers. I don't know the exact, you know application names and things of that nature, but they, mm. they use Cloud Foundry to run, you know, their custom applications that then they serve to their, their customers. Well, it, it could be anything from uh, annual benefit selection to, uh, you know, reordering uh, ball bearings that were yep. shipped to, uh, to Rotterdam instead of like, I don't know, Sweden. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And it's some of these numbers too, for something like they, you know, they're measuring some of their app runtime. So a lot of the, the Cloud Foundry runtime is measured in in, in memory uh, that is allocated to the, the container scheduler, which is Diego. So they they, they had, uh, I think, recorded 317 terabytes of RAM allocated, which is, that's a lot of RAM. <laughs> so I mean, that's a lot of, it's a lot of containers running. So we talk about, usually we talk about terabytes in the terms of, you know, spinning disk or, you know, cold storage, but uh, DRAM, that's, you know, usually pretty expensive. Uh, I think at one point it was, you know, $10,000 a terabyte or something of that nature. So uh, to have that many, have, have that much memory allocated to some of these uh, deployments is, is pretty significant. Yeah, that'd be a lot of Minecraft servers. Yeah, a lot. <laughs> maybe I'm maybe all the Minecraft servers in the world. I don't know. That, that might even allow Mac users to run Slack and other things at the same time. Oh, uh, that's, that's now, now, now. <laughs> Wishful thinking. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and Nick, was this the first time that there'd been a, a conference of this type since the whole uh, sort of merger with the CNCF and the and and that uh, that style of of managing the project. Um, yeah, I mean, so this is the first kind of event since COVID happened. I think there might have been a virtual event last year as well. Right. Uh, you know, I wasn't quite sure, but I guess one thing too to key out is so it was in person, but it was also virtual, so that the single track made it really. Um, I think easy for the virtual folks online as well because it was like a, a zoom room where oh yeah uh, the, brilliant 
yeah, the presenters would come up and kind of attach. They had some kind of like server type thing that I think was doing some kind of AV streaming back to Zoom or something. But, um, you know, they'd hook up to the that device. And then so then they'd present in the room and they'd be presenting online. And then um, we had Chris and Ram from the uh, Cloud Foundry Foundation kind of monitoring that. And, you know, if there are virtual questions coming in, we could kind of, you know, like uh, interject that to the speaker or like in-person questions, obviously people raise their hand and that type of thing. So that seemed to work out pretty well too, like a, kind of a good balance of, uh, you know, physical and virtual presence. Uh, I guess, I guess we call it hybrid these days. I don't know. Mm. Uh, but yeah. Yeah. yeah I, I gave, I gave a talk at, at a, a hybrid conference on Friday and I was the hybrid. I, I don't know. I, I was, I was presenting remotely and and uh, the, the the feed that I got was from the back of the room so you could see people, but then you could also see my screen and they had positioned my head as like a third of the screen with my <laughs> slides behind me. And so it was kind of odd to uh, see my big head there, but it, it did uh, it did make it seem a little more real as a speaker. That, that was enjoyable. Uh, well, so so what is the, uh, well, let, let's start with, you know, the thing I think o over recent years and, and uh, at the moment that it's of most interest, and that is, so what's, what's up, uh, what's the state of, of getting Cloud Foundry in, in uh, to have a foot in the Kubernetes world? What's, what's going on there? Yeah, so the, 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 the latest uh, iteration there is, is called Cloud Foundry Karifi. Uh, and that's the, I guess, the rebranded or like the latest name of the previous uh, iteration of that work, which was called Cloud Foundry on Kubernetes. And then, you know, previous efforts before that were um, attempted as well. And, you know, with different kind of mechanisms. But the, the latest work, which is Karifi, uh, is really targeting um, uh, recreating, you know, those kind of cloud native interface or sorry, cloud Foundry interfaces natively within Kubernetes using things like custom resource definitions instead of trying to shim some of the Cloud Foundry components like in a container and just run it in Kubernetes. That was kind of not necessarily the best architectural decision or, you know, it was going to have some significant scale limitations. So uh, I get, the team has, you know, has been working for at least the past year, probably longer as well to kind of revamp all that and um, kind of give you give you that that CF push. Uh, on Kubernetes, but, you know, natively without trying to, you know, uh, you know, shim things in or shove things into containers that really shouldn't be uh, that type of thing. So that was, uh, you know, a big thread and a big theme for the day. There is uh, a demo by uh, Dr. Dave Walter and Andrew Rittrock, uh, who uh, kind of gave it gave it an overall introduction to Garifi and they actually showed um, installing Karifi, Karifi locally on a Kubernetes cluster and then um, pushing an application and using that, you know, uh, Cloud Foundry uh, user credit, user credit service, service binding, binding it to a database. So that that kind of high level uh, basic um, Cloud Foundry experience that we all know and love. And it's super simple to get started, you know, recreated within, you know, on Kubernetes and in, in that landscape. So, you know, you know something I, I've been wondering uh, recently uh, you know, when when I'm not trying to figure out why the kids can't like get their shoes on time to get out the door in the morning or or other real life things like that is so so like when people talk about like having Cloud Foundry run on Kubernetes mm -hmm. and, and you were kind of touching on this, do they like like it seems to me there's two possible things that could mean one would be like let's take the Cloud Foundry code and run it on Kubernetes, right? And mm -hmm. you know, obviously 
it's not that simple, but you would have the, the whole system of doing things. And I guess you would swap out the container management. I mean, it gets a little complicated here because basically Cloud Foundry has its own Kubernetes built into it. But right. I guess you would swap it out in the same way that like if you had a, uh, a car and you were like, I want a different type of engine. Uh, I'm mm-hmm. tired of these like measuring bolts and nuts and inches. I'd like to measure them uh, in centimeters. So you want to swap your engine out or something, uh, which is totally an equivalency between those two other systems, as far as I understand it. Uh, but then it also seems like also, you know, something you're saying is like you could do the uh, I don't think there's a word for this in systems, but you could do like duck typing where it's like, well, I guess this would be the the Cloud Foundry Turing test. You could be like, as far as I know, how will I use it? It's exactly like using Cloud Foundry. I type in the stuff, whether I'm an operations person or a developer, and it does all the things I would expect. Mm-hmm. And like, so like, like what what's up with the Cloud Foundry community as far as like those two or a third or a fourth option that that they're looking at to to kind of like bring these things together. Right. So the from the you know if we look at the different personas of the developer using Cloud Foundry or and or like the operator managing Cloud Foundry, right? So from a developer's point of view, Karifi aims to really kind of you know make it, I guess you know the same or really hard to tell the difference. So their existing um, applications, their existing pipelines and workflows don't really have to change that whole lot. You know they'll have to target a new API. Uh, endpoint because it's you know running in a different location but that's really all they'll potentially really have to change so that's kind of the whole you know having that cf you know api compatibility from the cf cli and the api layer so having that not really change or really having um it's really having karifi uh you know adhere to and emulate all those existing interfaces uh that's so that's that's the from the developer point of view not really having to change a whole lot now from the operator's point of view um, you're going to have this concept of really classic Cloud Foundry, which is based on Bosch and that, you know, Diego and all these, you know, all these different, you know, kind of um, components that, you know, were created and, and maintained outside of the, the Kubernetes ecosystem. And then with Karifi, you really land on an existing uh, Kubernetes deployment and then that you can make use of all the different kind of components within the CNCF. Um, right. Uh, without and obviously too from an operator perspective uh you know not necessarily learning how to you know learning how to use bosch and and all of that you could just you know if you already know kubernetes you're kind of kind of already in that zone type uh, so to speak um so you know they're uh, uh using helm to install karifi and, and kind of wire that up into existing um kubernetes clusters with some some other prerequisites uh from the kind of cncf type landscape um, so that's kind of like the two different um, personas and delineation where the developer experience is trying to not really be um, changed whatsoever or very little change. But then from the operator persona, there's obviously going to be some significant change. Yeah. OK, or, that 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 makes a lot of sense, because from from for a developer, well, I guess for a developer, you could just have some translation layer that's like, you know, I, I don't remember my Cloud Foundry very well, but like in Cloud Foundry, the way that, you know, you define routes, which are like the way two parts talk with each other or your ingress and egress, which mm-hmm. is always a fun word, just words to say. And so I forget what the, the the word you use for that in Kubernetes is, but you would just have some translation thing that when a developer like does, you know, CF make me a route mm-hmm. that has this name that connects to my application, you would just translate that to whatever the Kubernetes words are and the structure, and it would do it for you. And then I guess I guess the only like dissonance you would have from that is if 
the developer then went to some like management or monitoring or whatever you want to call it observability tool and like the vocabulary was kind of different and they would have to translate in their mind like like what was going on there but you know whatever you would assume that would be part of uh what what was delivered as well or it would be a nice thing to deliver so the like developer thing is pretty easy because it's just like translating stuff around but then i guess where it gets difficult is from the operations side if you wanted to customize anything or introduce anything in in cloud foundry you do that with bosch and you don't in kubernetes <laughs> so you would have to, if you wanted to customize things on your Kubernetes side, you would, you know, whether you're bringing new types of, uh, you know, something to handle terabytes of whatever, or your, you know, data stores or various types of, uh, to use the Cloud Foundry word, backing services for it. Like a lot of that stuff comes down to like, if, if it's not out of the box, you've got to use, uh, you know, Bosch and other stuff to add that in there, which as the operations person, you wouldn't do that. You do it as a, uh, as a Kubernetes thing. And then, and then again, they would also have the thing of um, uh, whatever vocabulary they they use. You'd have to map between the the two different domains. Um, I don't know. Is that a fair summary? Yeah. So the so the uh, yeah. So Karifi is doing that mapping for uh, for the developers and and so, somewhat for the operators as well. Where mm. these these custom resource definitions that are getting defined, they're you know they're called CF app or CF route or CF domain. So these these kind of CF command and, and API constructs are getting represented that as objects in Kubernetes that you can interact with, like uh, with kubectl. Right. Like, so you can do like kubectl get CF app, and that shows you your Cloud Foundry apps have, have been deployed. But then you can, you know, take that a step further and interact with them as like, at, you know, as a pod. So you, like, you can do like a, the you know, uh -huh. kubectl get pod. So you can, you can take it even further if you want to. But and um, so it's kind of, you know, uh, multiple layers that you want to interact with, but the, the developer will still probably, you know, you know, use the CF CLI for the most part. Yeah. And, oh, you know, maybe sense. break out to uh, the uh, Kubernetes kube uh, cuddle or kube CTL, however you want to say it, um, if they need to, that type of thing. Uh, and from that, that route perspective that you were uh, that mentioning. So like, you know, you CF map route, you get a route from the, from classic cloud Foundry, you get that go router, you know, setting up that route for you. And, uh, TLS termination and all that fun stuff. Well, that's taken care of um, in on with a project called Contour, which is an ingress controller in Kubernetes, mm -hmm. and that and using um, some other things like Cert Manager and things to manage certificates. So that, that's kind of like mirroring the kind of the classic uh, Cloud Foundry Go router experience to the Kubernetes world using ingress controllers and Kubernetes services and that type of thing. And that you know that. Um, that CF route is also a custom resource definition that you can interact with as well on the Kube uh, CTL side of the house. It sounds it sounds better than sort of some of the past attempts then because the, the, some of those kind of fell down in between the cracks, didn't they? Sort mm. of, you know, developer will get so far and then have to rely on kubectl. Same for, um, you know, if you were used to certain constructs like, uh, you were saying there, uh, such as roots or whatever, you mm -hmm. would have to figure out which components in the Kubernetes world you needed to use in order to do that. So the workflow would be more difficult. It sounds like what's happening here is that the the workflow the workflows that CF users are already familiar with are becoming um, sort of first tier supported features in Karifi, whereas before it was, uh, you know, a little bit more messy. Is that fair? Oh, uh, yeah, I think it's a pretty fair statement. 
for sure. And, and definitely too, from an operational perspective as well, that's, that's very much true as well. So what was the sort of reaction to it? How were people, you know, were, were folks being introduced to it for the first time or is it, is it something that, that, that they're already comfortable with and that they're looking for, you know, maturity on what, what's the sort of feel around it? So I think there's a lot of excitement around it. I think, you know, obviously the, the engineers who've been working on it, we're, we're very familiar with it, but there's a lot of folks who um, haven't, hadn't seen it ever. So this is their first time being exposed to it. So they, you know, folks are pretty excited about it. And, you know, there's a lot of questions and, um, you know, doing uh, that, you know, they did a really uh, in-depth live demo. So like, you know, those like people were excited about that, seeing everything that was going on. Um, so that was, you know, that's very, you know, I think it was, uh, you know, probably um, one of the most exciting in terms of net new technology sessions that were, you know, talked about. Um, so people really, um, I think, reacting pretty well to it. Um, I'm obviously, real, you know, excited about it as well because I think it, it gives a lot of um, options and, and uh, you know, uh, it, it really expands the the uh, existing um, ecosystem more um, going forward. Um, so, and I guess one thing too, I want to also note is that, so all the, all the work, the Cloud Foundry Carifi work, um, from the, the VMware Tanzu side of the house, uh, we just released the application service adapter 1.0, which is based on Cloud Foundry Carifi, uh, and ties into our, uh, VMware Tanzu application platform. Uh, so that, that released, uh, last week. Um, so that's kind of like our first commercialization of Cloud Foundry Carifi as well. So definitely keep your uh your eyes peeled for that as well or uh, keep your eyes out for that uh but there's a blog and and some uh, i did a demo on you know kind of the whole the kind of the whole life cycle as well that you can go check out and see um you know the application service adapter or really you know cloud founded creepy in action as well from from the vmware tanzu side of the house hey michael i think uh, you might be on mute there I, I noticed that you had some uh, some videos there, and uh, I you know I wanted to say I really like the aesthetic you were choosing there, kind of like maybe early '90s uh, mall video arcade. Yeah, I, th I think I think it was looking pretty good. You know where you could yeah. go to the mall. Did you all have this over there? Uh, you know, in in your neck of the woods, uh, Ben, where you could go to the mall and they had a recording studio, and you could you and your friends could record yourself singing the hits of the day. <laughs> I don't know if I noticed that in my hometown, but uh, it, you know, uh, maybe my hometown wasn't bang up to date in the eighties, nineties. But uh, I, I mean, I feel I feel at the time you could play video games and you could also go record yourself. You'd go go to the bookstore, maybe the skate rink, food court. Yeah, real video, Stranger Things stuff. Yeah, video games for sure. Yeah, I mean, our version of uh, Las Vegas is Blackpool, which was very close oh. to uh, to where I grew up. So I would, in the summertime, go down to Blackpool and play all the arcades all the way around, along the seafront, all the way down to the bottom and then back again uh, to where the train station was. So <laughs> many a misspent hour in uh, in various arcades as a youngster, yeah, for sure. Yeah. And I, I, yeah, I like the video, Nick. I like the, uh, the aesthetic you've gone for yeah. there. I'm surprised you didn't do yourself as some sort of max headroom, though, just to finish it all off. Oh, oh, well, I'm still learning. There's still time. Yes, yeah. You just need some papier-mâché, surely. Yeah. That's all yeah. you need. Yeah. Get some kids. <laughs> Uh, well, so so another thing you mentioned is is uh, is is build pack stuff, which like mm -hmm. you know I I think you know to ask my general high level question in this area, it seems like um, you know 
Like, it seems like there's a lot that build packs and cloud native build packs have to offer everyone, regardless mm-hmm. of what you do with Cloud Foundry. And uh, I, I mean, I feel like in, in the Kubernetes world, like they have, I mean, they, they, I always forget because Knative keeps like uh, bundling and unbundling. Mm-hmm. But at some point, and maybe still, like build packs were part of Knative or not. But anyways, it, se- it seems like a good general way to like package up and deploy your stuff, uh, you know, kind of in like a devopsy sort of way that's a bunch of gobbledygook words yes. but what what's what's up with the uh with the world of build packs at the moment in cloud foundry yes sure so from a build pack perspective a, a new thing that was uh, we you know was discussed was the uh the paquetto build pack project uh which is an implementation of cloud native build packs so when we talk about build packs we have like build packs v2 which is essentially the uh, you know the Cloud Foundry classic uh, you know what we know today in Cloud Foundry build packs and then the cloud uh, the you know the v v three build packs are really the cloud native build packs and um, the Paquetto is an implementation of those build packs so Karifi was using uh, the Paquetto build packs as well um, we use some of those build packs in what we call Tanzu build service which is bundled in Tanzu application platform. Uh, but yes, the the concept of build packs could be used. I mean, really, like everyone, in my opinion, should be using build packs um, because it's this really this way to to you know get a, you know best practice industry standard for your runtimes and having people fiddle around with containers and uh, build them kind of on the fly. You know, like why would why would you do that when something could just do it for you, right? And I know then, it's crazy, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> and then also <laughs> having like, yeah, this all the security layers taken for you as well, you know, just out of the gate, like not having to worry about any of that. I mean, I don't know. Like if you know, if I was, you know, still writing code, I would not want to be like worrying about if my Docker container is secure, that type of thing. If yeah. you if you went up to a team and said, Would you like a thousand hours of DevOps for free? They would probably say yes. Yeah. But, and yet surprisingly, <laughs> when you say you can use a build pack, you know, folks kind of, you know, need need convincing. And it's like, well, there's, there's thousands of hours of really good research and development gone into these things. Just use them, for goodness sake. They're built into Spring now. You use Spring or Maven, for example. Right, you can right. just do build-image. It will build you an image. It's going to use the same build packs that you're talking about there, right? So... Oh, it's a, it's a, it is a source of irritation. <laughs> you know, I, I think, I, I, I think it's too late now. I think they might've closed this, but that maybe next year at, at FOSDEM, we should propose one of those day long tracks. That's just about like builds you could have, you could have build packs as one thing and, you know, building stuff by hand as another thing. I think, uh, you know, Maven's still around, right? Like you could like all these things that are basically like, how do we build stuff? Not, not like CICD pipelines. And not like runtime environments, just strictly like we're just building stuff. And that there must be a lot going on in the uh, the open source world uh, of doing that. We should have a race. We should have like two teams or something, maybe five different workloads in different languages and just say, okay, you've got a day mm. to build these into. <laughs> oh, and yeah, that, that's, that would be fun. And maybe we could also, the other competition could be, so if you have five or six build systems, the 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 competition is can you build them all like how mm-hmm. how can you build the build systems and and see what happens and that's just funny i guess and recursive because it, yeah. it would be it would be funny if, if building the builder was difficult which it often is it seems uh well that was a distraction 
from uh, from from build pack stuff. <laughs> but yeah, if you if you just use build packs, people, yes. come on, it's twenty twenty two. Stop reinventing the wheel. Just use the build packs. Yeah, use use the build packs in your life. We'll we'll be happy. You can sleep more and not have to worry about security and that type of thing. Or worry or worry less. Let's just say about security. Um, yeah. So what else are we going to talk about here? So we talked about Karifi and Paquetto, and those are kind of the two um, really new things, like you know, with the new kind of exciting projects going on behind the scenes, I guess. Um, well, what was like the uh, the future looking thing? Was there some roadmap talk? You know, you get the community people together. What uh, what what's got what what's kind of the plans for the next six and then like twelve months? What uh, what's people rumbling on about? Um. I don't know if there was like a full on roadmap talk per se, but I mean, obviously continuing development within Karifi and Paquetto are, are, uh, you know, kind of going forward for the future. And then also, you know, just continuing to ship, um, you know, the classic cloud foundry experience as well as, is a big theme. Uh, there's a lot of different talks about different subcomponents of that ecosystem, mm. um, going forward and you know there's talk about you know kind of the future of logging and metrics uh, how we're gonna you know you know what's the current state and you know how how will it progress during you know going forward um there's some um, app runtime talk as well so i mean i can't cover every video and every topic in this but all of these videos now are out if you go to the cloud foundry uh youtube uh channel and you can see like the full talks so definitely check those out as well um let's see Let's see if we can key up. There's a very interesting talk um, by David Stevenson, one of our kind of tech leads here at VMware. But he was um, he did a lot of work about you know, kind of measuring uh, the cost to run uh, Cloud Foundry across the, you know the three different mm -hmm. hyperscalers and uh, and kind of revamping some work um, to look at all the different you know VM instance sizing because you know if, if you've ever used these you know the three main cloud providers. The VM sizing is is kind of strange and obscure, and uh, the naming doesn't really make a whole lot of sense. And somehow the, the pricing is also very strange. And as new generations of VM types roll out, they're typically cheaper than the old types of VM generations, and you you get locked in. And it's like it, it's kind of a you know a, a, almost a, a thing you need to decode to figure out uh, what, what's really going on behind the scenes. But he did a lot of work in investigating those and. Um, you know, his talk was uh, entitled "How We Brought Down the Cost of a New Deployment Down 50%." So, I think that's definitely a key for folks running um, Cloud Foundry on a you know big hyperscaler of choice to go check out. Um, but uh, you know, it was all about measuring the different kind of VM types within each hyperscaler and, and optimizing you know each Cloud Foundry component for potentially a new resource type and uh, something to you know definitely check out there if you're got to, uh, you know, have Cloud Foundry deployments running uh, out on a hyperscaler. Well, 50% is a lot more than 0% or yeah. negative 5, 50%. Yes. You know, I, yeah, I guess so I guess in this case going, well, that would be positive 50% because you're really getting negative 50%. But yeah. your you're, you're wallet's saving every month for sure. That's right. Well, you know, I, I will, I'll, I'll, I'll have to put a link in the show notes at tanzutalk.com to the mm -hmm. uh, to video list. As you're saying, you know, the, the, the CNCF was very quick to uh, upload everything, which was just peachy and uh, and fine. Is there is there any uh, in, any other like uh, you know as the last thing? How are the snacks? 
Was 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 the food good? How would you rate that? Did they have did they have the mid morning snack? And then usually in the afternoon you have two snacks. And you know, there's always a debate, are we gonna put like sweet stuff out there or are we gonna put healthy stuff? And then you end up having both. And mm -hmm. uh, you know, you got some fruit, apples, things like that. Was there any savory things, maybe a hummus spread on some sort of like stiff brown cracker? Yeah, well, yeah. There's definitely a, a wide variety of snacks, and they were uh, they were a plenty. Um, I think for breakfast, I got kind of a uh, strawberry. I try I tried to eat healthy for breakfast. It was a good job, kinda, good job. Uh, a strawberry oatmeal type mixture. Oh, yeah. It was it was actually pretty good. Um, but, was know, it served had, in a, in a little mason jar that that you popped open? Uh, it, I mean, it was all plastic, but yeah, uh, sure. I don't know. Okay, Not good. quite a mason jar, but yeah, yeah. you had a, had a little bit of a granola that you kind of like popped in and mixed it up, you know, type mm, situation. Right. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, that was, that was uh, pretty good. And then, um, they, you know, the lunch was in the, the, the main hall, so to speak. Uh, and I would think that definitely about, um, uh, KubeCon in Detroit, the, the, the conference food was, was, was pretty on point. They had a lot of different offerings and a lot of uh, i guess maybe comfort food type things as well mm, but yes. um yeah th there's uh no shortage of, of uh food there for sure and obviously uh D detroit style pizza was definitely a must and i think uh buddy's pizza uh i ate and it was it was, it was very good so wait what wait what is, what is detroit style pizza is it different from regular pizza i don't get it yes yeah so like well you know you start talking about it's detroit style pizza versus chicago style pizza but detroit style pizza is a very kind of a a square deep dish with um kind of the corners uh you know kind of with crusted cheese type thing it's, a, it's huh. like a soft deep dish but yeah, it's not like a Chicago style, which is literally like a pie and, you know, like very heavy type thing. But um, I see. So you make it square. Yes, it's square. And it, huh. so and I guess maybe the the if you've ever had Little Caesars, it's not quite Little Caesars, but Little Caesars. I didn't know this is headquartered in Detroit and they have a oh. square square style pizza as well. It's not like their main style, but. Um, I see. That's yeah. what they had when I was a kid in those, uh, you know, wishing I could had money to go record myself singing the hits of today. Yeah. After the arcade. <laughs> yeah. Lots of Little Caesars. That was some cheap pizza, like three bucks for a gigantic sheet of pizza. Yeah. And it tasted like that, too. Yeah. But, uh, <laughs> yeah. Although I have to say that I, I have fond memories of, of that flavor. It's kind of like, you know, uh, every every expat loves Kraft macaroni and cheese. And mm -hmm. and. What I what I've come to recently with this is is it's kind of like also stovetop stuffing. You're like the the flaw in not liking Kraft and macaroni cheese or sto stovetop stuffing is there is no comparison. It's its own food item, so you have to appreciate it on its own. There's no like you're not like oh, but what if you made a bechamel with your own macaroni and cheese, fresh from the <laughs> farmer's market? And you're like no, that's not what I'm making. That's not what that's not what this is. This yeah. is a different thing. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> I think I think. Yes, I think I think Little Caesars Pizza and you know Domino's, all those pizzas are also their own thing. They're definitely not the kind of stuff you get in Rome, which is its own thing, much separate than anything we would have. And can we revisit very briefly this nineteen eighties arcade game playing persona? Uh -huh. uh, what what was the beard like back then and the hair? Oh. <laughs> Question to all. So, well, so I'll start off. Mine, I wouldn't have had a beard, absolutely not. But I did have like really short, spiky hair, I reckon, back then. Oh, yeah. So please go ahead. I think uh, I think my hair was always a mess. 
I, I was not really into into taking care of myself. I think. And no beard, I guess. No, no, that that didn't happen until I was like I don't know, thirteen or fourteen. So <laughs> it took a while. Oh, like this, like it is now. <laughs> Something like that. <laughs> I must have been off-putting for <laughs> so many people. Yeah. yeah. Fourteen, what about yourself, full Nick? beard. Uh, no, uh, hair. I, I don't know hair back then. Um, that was a little, you know. I. I was born in the eighties, but it was late eighties, so I don't. I was it not. It was a mullet, wasn't it? Yeah. It was a mullet, and you don't want to tell us. No, well, I, I don't know. I mean, I don't, I haven't had hair in a while, so you know, you could tell about that the shine it, off my lights, right? Business but. at the front, party at the back. Was that? <laughs> yeah. like, was no. that it? I don't think I've ever had a mullet, but no, I, I think I was I was born, I guess, with some uh, somewhat of a, a mohawk, I guess, a little bit of hair on the top, but oh. That's strange. I, I, I don't have to go digging through a baby picture to find it or whatever. But uh, yeah. All right. Well, there's an image, dear listeners. That yeah. uh, <laughs> you'll never maybe. be able to erase yes. your mind what we might have all looked like. Maybe, just, maybe, uh, yeah. maybe we can each send a picture of ourselves at the arcade, and I'll use that for the uh, the album art, the cover yeah. art for this episode. I don't. I, I mean, I'm old enough that they're not digital, right? Uh, <laughs> you have to, yeah. Well, me too. You'd have to scan them in. Uh, well okay so so that that was a good uh that's good i feel nice and informed that was i i appreciate you coming on here to uh to, to give us a little overview of what's going on there and a little overview of the food i always love a yogurt with a granola mezzanine that's that's always nice uh make something on your own there and uh as always if someone wanted to uh if if they wanted to uh tell you about their hairstyles uh when they were a kid nick where 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 would you point them at where could they go um, you can always uh, hit me hit me up on Twitter. I guess uh, we'll we'll see how long. Is that still going? I don't know. I, it's kind of like uh, yeah, hit me up on Twitter. We'll see if it's still running in a week. I don't know. Fire fire. Yeah, yeah. But you can you know you can also find me on LinkedIn as well. I guess we could put some links in there. Uh, I I am trying this whole Mastodon thing out as well. I guess we could try that too. But um, as yeah. is Michael, you've got you've you're trying a bit of Mastodon too, aren't you? Well, I learned my lesson back before I had a beard that when there's a new social site on, you got to go squat on it and, and try hard just, just in case things happen. You know, maybe that's what, so, so there's someone out in the spring community written a Mastodon server yet. I don't even know what that means, but that seems like <laughs> something that, that, uh, that should happen. If it has yeah. been, you can bet it's running on Cloud Foundry. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, very good. Well, and with that, if you want to get the show notes for this episode, I'll, I'll try to uh, put in links to the, the Cloud Foundry Day stuff and uh, if, if I, we can find any pictures of ourselves at, at arcades mm -hmm. or not. Uh, but you can go to tanzutalk.com and just find this episode, probably unless you're listening to the entire back catalog sometime in the future. It'll be right there at the top, so you don't have to worry about it when you go to tanzutalk.com and find it. And it's always uh, great if you enjoy this, or even if you don't enjoy it, to subscribe to it. And what I always recommend is anytime you encounter some device that is able to download podcasts, whether it's your children's, your enemies, uh, whoever delivered your mail, maybe you sent the butcher off to get you a good cut of steak, or you want some change for uh, an Xbox that you're about to wrap some towels around, uh, <laughs> grab their device and point it at their face as they walk off and uh, subscribe into this podcast two to five times and uh, give them a little treat that they'll enjoy. And with that, we'll see everyone next time. Goodbye. Bye. All right, I'll end our broadcast here. That was fun. <laughs>